on the Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Today, I'll be discussing the Rangers keep rolling and crush the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals 6-2, Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden, and I'll also talk about Yankee odds and ends. Let's go ahead and get started. The Rangers have had a magical run in the playoffs so far this year. And the Magic Carpet Ride kept going on Wednesday night with a convincing 6-2 stomping of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. This was Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. What a game it was. It was surprising, really, for me. I think in just about every way and really inspiring in every way for the Rangers who seem to be just getting better and better the deeper into the playoffs they go. The Rangers got contributions really up and down the lineup. They played effectively most of the game and even shockingly did pretty well on faceoffs. So if you need to rewind and play that again, the Rangers actually did okay on faceoffs, which just never happens. Uh, the Eastern Conference Finals look very different than the Western Conference Finals this year, or at least that's how it seems, you know, that it will be. The Rangers and the Lightning both have outstanding goaltending, right? And it might very well be a low-scoring affair throughout. Meanwhile, in the West, Colorado and Edmonton played Game 1. They have high-flying offenses. Game 1 in the Western Conference Final ended 8-6 the other night, and I really don't expect too many 8-6 games, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, even though the Rangers put a sixth spot on the board, you know, on Wednesday night. These games are going to be 2-1, 3-2, kind of things like that. You know, these are probably the two of the best goaltenders on the planet right now playing against each other in Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin. The Rangers and this game got off to an absolutely tremendous start early in the game. About as good a start as you could possibly, possibly have. Um, scoring just over one minute into the first period. <clears throat> Excuse me. Chris Kreider scored off a great feed from Mika Zibanejad. It was Kreider's ninth playoff goals this year so far. Good for him. After he basically no-showed for the entire Carolina series until the end, when it really counted, um, he... Had a good series against Pittsburgh and started this series very, very well. Um, it was just the way to start, you know, this this series and just what the Rangers needed. The game was uh, kind of playing pretty fast early on. Um, these are two new teams, and it was a little bit chippy given that there there are new. Sometimes there's a feeling out period, and you don't start the hitting and the shoving. But Tampa, you could tell right from the start, and it lasted throughout the whole game, is going to play a physical game and try to roughhouse the Rangers a little bit. The Rangers this year have a little tougher team. So while it may not look as if they have a tough team as Tampa. They have enough tough players on their team now, and they support each other well enough where we'll see how well they defend themselves. And they did well, you know, to defend themselves in this game. But, boy, it was it was pretty chippy for a game one. Uh, after the Rangers scored, though, Tampa answered quickly. They did that twice, by the way. Uh, when it was one nothing, Tampa answered about seven minutes into the first period. Um after some long sustained action in the Ranger zone, Stamkos fucking blasted a slap shot past Igor, made it 1 1. Uh, the Lightning kind of had an early advantage on shots on goal. Shockingly, I know. They had the better of the early chances for sure, for sure. One particular shift late in the first, it was a scramble in front of Igor with the puck just pinballing all over the friggin' blade. Bang, bang, bang. People knocked all over the place. The Rangers managed to get the puck clear, but it was chaos for a while. And then a few minutes later, uh, the Rangers went on a power play with three minutes left in the first period. Um, they didn't score on that one. And the first period, uh, 
kind of came to a close there. Uh, as the second period started, the Rangers had a slight advantage in play, um, and they actually won a few faceoffs. And as a result um, of having a lot more possession than, as a result of winning those faceoffs, they had a lot more possession time than they normally would have had, right? Because you know that's what happens. You lose faceoffs, and the other team has the puck all the time, and you're really straining to play defense. You're really getting a lot more shots on your own goaltender, and so winning faceoffs really, really helps. Um, about five minutes into the second period, Vitrano uh, wristed a bullet past uh, Vasilevsky and gave the Rangers a 2-1 lead. Uh, just prior to that, Vitrano rushed back, made an outstanding defensive play, stuck his stick out, deflected a cross-ice pass that might have resulted in sort of an open-neck goal there, made a great defensive play on a 2-on-1. Truba had just fell down, by the way, prior to that, leading to the two-on-one. And Vitrano rushed back, made a defensive play, came up the ice, and scored a goal and put the Rangers ahead 2-1. It was an excellent, excellent shift. However, (laughs) with the Rangers being up 2-1, that didn't last long, right? Uh, Some sloppy defensive play led to a rebound goal, and Tampa tied the game at 2-2. This is early midway in the second period, but that tie also didn't last as the kid line struck again for the Rangers. Philip Heedle scored yet another goal. Heedle at that point had six playoff goals, including four goals in his last three games. Uh, This was the kind of back-and-forth action that you actually expect in the Western Conference Finals. It was nuts. It was like, goal, goal, goal. It was crazy. It was just nuts. It's nothing you expect with these two goalies in here. The Rangers at that point were up 3-2. to And then just two minutes later, after going up 3-2, the kids' line was dominating in the offensive zone. I mean, they're forechecking, passing the puck around, wearing down the defense, and Heedle struck again beating Vasilevsky to make it 4-2 Rangers with four minutes left in the second period. And I got to tell you, Filippito is emerging as a playoff star for the Rangers, and this made it five goals in his last three games for Filippito. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. Five goals in his last three games. Just just awesome, and, and you got to love it. And seven goals in all, five in the last three games. The second period ended with the Rangers up 4-2 and having a lot of confidence. The third period barely started. I mean, right out of the gate, and Panarin ripped a one-timer past Vasilevsky. It made it 5-2 Rangers, amazingly, just 30 seconds into the third period. It was just an astounding start to the period. Uh, then a few minutes later, the Rangers got a power play. They went on the power play, and once again, they made the opponent pay for putting them on the power play. And Mika Zibanejad wristed a one-timer up high for yet another Rangers power play goal. The Rangers had an incredible 6-2 lead over the two-time defending champions at that point in the third period. And I have to say this, folks. The Rangers' power play is a deadly weapon. Full stop. It has been absolutely deadly the entire year, and it's carried over into the playoffs. And at some point, teams are going to let the Rangers play a little more because they do not want to take a penalty. Um, we'll see if that actually happens, but the Rangers need to continue making teams pay when they take penalties, and the Rangers have been doing just that. They've been scoring at a deadly clip. I mean, a good power play in a regular season is, you know, 20, 22 percent, 24 is really good. The Rangers in the playoffs are at something like 35 or 37 percent on the power play. Some ridiculous, they score more than one of every three power plays. That They're dominating, and it's just a weapon, and it's really helping the Rangers and carrying them throughout this playoffs. By the way, uh, Panarin, who scored, um, 
also had a great pass that led to the Mika power play goal. Panarin had a very good game, actually, and you haven't heard me say that yet this entire playoffs against either opponent, right? Either against Pittsburgh or Carolina. Panarin has been, in my mind, dog shit. You've heard me say it. he has not played a good single playoff game. You know, he had the winning goal in the first series in overtime um, in game seven. Panarin had a terrible game that game, too, except for that. Um, he has not played well. There's no way you can't put lipstick on a pig. He has not played well in any single game this year, no matter what the papers say in some of the less awful games. This game, he did play pretty well, I have to say. Um, he had some really good passes. He didn't hold the puck too long. He didn't have many turnovers, maybe one. You know, he's had three, four, five, sometimes eight a game. You know, he didn't really have many at all. And, you know, he had the goal. He had an assist or two. He played really, really well. And it's about time, about friggin' time, Panarin. Welcome to the playoffs. Now, with the Rangers having a big lead, as the clock tumbled to under two minutes left in the game, it got chippy. You know, there was a lot of pushing and scrubbing, kind of a full team scrum, bunch of people shoving each other, punching each other, tamper, basically trying to generate some energy for themselves for game two. The refs called like six people for penalties, threw them off the ice. It got a little chippy. It was a chippy game all around the ice, some pretty big hits. Um, actually, Goudreau got nailed about halfway through the game, really. I thought, and I was glad he got up okay, but he got clocked. He got his, his clock leaned right into the boards. Igor was stout the rest of the way. He, he again, had a very solid, solid game. Uh, The Rangers managed to put a lot past Vasilevsky, but, you know, he's the tremendous goaltender also. But the Rangers rolled and ended up winning a big, big, big 6-2 victory in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, baby. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better start to this series in the Eastern Conference Finals for the Rangers. You couldn't dream of a better start. The kid line, mainly Heedle, you know, was awesome. Uh, but, you know, the other two played well as well. Uh, Panarin showed up and contributed in a big way. There was balanced scoring. We got good goaltending. Continued power play dominance for the Rangers. Actual face-off wins throughout the, the game, believe it or not. And we almost, almost even had more shots than the other team, but we did not. We still got outshot, but at least it was close this game. I think, you know, with a couple minutes left in the game, we were almost tied in shots, so that has to say something. Every single one of the 15 games, we've been outshot by our opponents in the playoffs. You know, at some point, we got to help Igor a little bit here, but, uh, you know, we almost even had more shots on goal, so that that's a lot of good things for one game. You know, Panarin doing well, balance scoring, the good goaltending, the power play, face-offs. There was a lot of good things to talk about. And it seems like the longer these playoffs go, the better the Rangers seem to be playing. Knock on wood here, right? This was inspiring for Ranger fans, I got to tell you. And it bodes well for the rest of the series. Getting off to a bad start, like if they lost 6-2, really might have put a downer, you know, on this Rangers facing the two-time defending champs. But this series will prove much harder than it seems right now, believe me. The Rangers actually have a lead in a series, which is something new for them. We'll see what they do with that. They have not led in the series at all. This is game 15, and it's the first time in in the series that they've actually led. Every other game, every other series, each of the other two, they've either trailed in the series or were tied, and then they won game seven. Now they actually have a one nothing lead in the series, so we'll see how hard they compete in game two 
which is going to be Friday night at the Garden. I'm sure the crowd will be loud. I'm sure Tampa will be focused. And they mentioned some stat on ESPN how Tampa Bay somehow has managed to, in the playoffs, win 18 consecutive games after a loss. So uh, pretty good chance Tampa will bounce back here, but we'll see. Um, so this will be fun. We'll see how the rest of the series plays out, but it is impossible to dream of a better start than this. So let's go Rangers, baby. I'm going to talk about the Yanks just for a little bit to close this out here. So maybe a few odds and ends about the Yankees. Let's say um, the Yankees continue to get injury after injury after injury. After going about a month and a half with nothing, suddenly like half the team felt like got hit by a bus or something. Stanton, out. Some kind of right ankle inflammation. Donaldson, out and suspended, by the way. Right shoulder inflammation. Chapman supposedly is hurt. Left Achilles tendon A's, although I think they're just making it up because he's just pitching like dog shit and getting hit all over the park and can't find the strike zone with a map. Uh, Luizaga is hurt. Right shoulder inflammation. Britton is obviously still out. He's got Tommy John surgery. Domingo Herman, he's hurt. Right shoulder impingement syndrome. Boy, that sounds like a new one. Uh, Chad Green is hurt, which is good by me because he was sucking balls. Right flexor tear. Tim LaCastro is hurt. Left latch strain. And the catcher, Ben Rortvet, who we haven't yet seen on the damn team, one of, one of the trades we got, who's supposedly some ripped, lifting, you know, catcher who lifts weights and has great body. And shockingly, he's hurt because, you know what, baseball players that lift weights get hurt all the time. Um, he's the catcher from that Sanchez trade. We haven't seen him yet, but he's got some kind of partially torn meniscus in the left knee now. It's like a sen- second injury since he's been on the Yanks, which has been all two months. And there's others. But anyway, yeah, Yan- Yanks are injured. So that's maybe one odds and end. Let's see. Um, Holmes, I wanted to talk about him. He is a stud closer. Boy, this kid, I'm telling you, man, just at the time that Chapman seems like at the end of his rope and we don't have a closer, we get Holmes, who is just about as dominant as they come. Just a stud closer, full stop. Awesome. Uh, We'll see how long it takes for for Holmes to land on the aisle next. Uh, What else? Rizzo is now down to hitting about 210 after a really, really hot start where he was hitting well, homers, ribbies. Now he's hitting 210. Glaber Torres continues to drive me nuts. He is the laziest piece of shit on the planet. I, I can't take him. Even though he's starting to hit real well now, I can't take watching him. I, I, I can't. I hate watching him play. He's so lazy. He can't be bothered to run hard. The other day, he got thrown out at third base. This was, I guess, Tuesday night, if you're listening. Um, he admired his hit. He, he had a long drive to left field, sat there in the box and admired it, then jogged a little bit, then started to run a little bit, you know, and then he ended up getting thrown out at third base. You know, and it's just, I don't understand. Now, even at this point, even Michael K noticed, after seeing about 10 replays of it, hey, Michael K is like, you know, Torres might have made it to third if he ran hard after he saw like three or four replays. It's like, Michael, what have you been watching? I, I can't stand Glaber Torres' laziness. I can't stand it. I know he's starting to hit well now, but he blows balls in the field, right? He's so lazy. He misses stuff. He throws balls all over the place. He can't be bothered to be quick to get his glove down. He's lazy as shit in the field. 
He's too casual, bending down for balls. And he misses so many balls he should get to and make plays on. I mean, he's a DH in this league at best. He has no defensive position. I mean, and even a DH is questionable because he's batting really, really well now. And he's up to like 250. Great. Let's put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what else? No one knows how to slide anymore in Major League Baseball. And it's lunacy. I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, because apparently I'm getting old and can't remember. But everyone nowadays in Major League Baseball overslides bases now. Why in God's name is this friggin' happening? It's just insane. I swear to God, if you watch like six people slide into a base, like five of them will slide past the base. Like, did everyone in the majors suddenly lose the ability to know when I should start sliding? I'm running to second. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Now is the proper time. I'll wait, I'll wait. Now I'll start sliding and overslide the bag. I don't understand. It's like it's the first time these people ever played baseball before. Judge where the base is and start your slide appropriately. It's not that hard to not overslide a base. It's not that hard. I play baseball for a lot of years. I coach baseball a bit. It is not that hard to not overslide a bag. I don't understand it. You watch these games and it's like, what the frig are people thinking of? Torres did it the, other, the same play I was talking about where he got thrown out at third. He actually reached third, but he had to hustle so hard at the end because it was lollygagging it out of the box that he slid too late and too hard and came off the bag on the other side, shockingly, and he got tagged out. What the frig is the problem, people? Stay on the bag. Slide at the appropriate time. What else? Real quick, other things. Um, IKF made a fabulous play at shortstop Tuesday against the Angels. He's still sometimes spotty there, but he made a nice diving play. It was really, really nice to see. Um, I like seeing Andujar hitting every night for the Rangers and in the field. Uh, you know, he's not a great defensive player no matter where you put him, but he's doing fine in left field nowadays, and he's hitting like I remember him hitting. He's got that beautiful level helicopter-type swing, and I love seeing him bat. And, boy, if we could find a – how good would we be if he played every day instead of Gallo, right? I mean, <laughs> if Gallo hitting 150 and striking out, you know, 90% of the time, or you got Andujar just hitting line-drive BBs all over the place every night, hmm, of course, we will play Gallo because he is lefty and occasionally hits home runs. Um, I love seeing Andujar out there. I wish we could see him more. Uh, what else? The entire starting pitching staff for the Yankees has been friggin' awesome. What else can you say? Um, matter of fact, Cole, maybe the worst of the five somehow. I don't know how that happened, but Cole of the five pitchers may be pitching the worst of any of them. And when I say the worst, you know, he gives up three or four runs. That That's terrible, apparently. The Yankees starting pitching staff has been just off the charts good. And it's covering up a lot of other problem areas for the Yankees. But the pitching, I'll tell you what, great starting pitching can cover up for all kinds of other stuff. And the Yankees starting pitching is money, just money, top to bottom. It's been spectacular. They even got a few runs from Montgomery, who got his first win, even though he's pitching as good as anyone else in the majors. Um, what else? Aaron Judge starting to cool off lately. Um, he was just tearing up the league. He's cooling off a little bit lately. We'll see what happens. Maybe last point, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Trevino and in catching. What an upgrade from Sanchez behind the plate in every way. Great defensive catcher. Apparently, he's a good framer, which I don't care about much. But he catches the ball. You know, it doesn't get back to the backstop. He blocks things. He can throw people out. 
And at, he, he's hitting well. He's hitting 250, 260, getting big hits. He's probably the starting catcher for the Yanks now. Jose Trevino has quickly become, in my opinion, a key part of, of the Yankees. So, yeah, those are the things. The Yanks are still in first place and playing well. Boy, it's nice to see. Rangers winning, Yankees in first place. It's a good day to be a Yankee and a Ranger fan. Thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. I'll be back soon for some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.